In Revelation 2 and 3, we read about the seven churches that were around at the time of John the Apostle. And while John was writing to those literal churches, there's spiritual significance for churches and believers today. Will we be self-honest enough to see how these might apply to me and you? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. You know it is time to look forward to the future. Now available for pre-order, Get End Time's Get Clear Prophecy DVD Bundle. It's a tool designed to help you find your purpose as we navigate the end times. Go to endtime.com slash clear to pre-order today. Best of all, it's free with your donation of any amount. This bundle includes the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom by Dave Robbins, the Two Witnesses by Doug Norvell, and Warn the Jews by me, Vince Stegall. Go to endtime.com slash clear or call 800-END-TIME today to be one of the first to pre-order and to receive it. We're so excited about these three End Time originals and you definitely need to go through them. We'll give you the peace and hope as we navigate these end times. And um, In addition to Doug, we're excited to have Derek Weeks back with us. Derek, as the show was ending last time, I said... I don't know if you remember this, but I said, why don't you give a last word? This may be your last time on the End Time Show. <laughs> so, it wasn't. You're back. I'm back, and it's an honor. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We uh, we didn't get through all the seven churches, so we weren't able to crack the code on all seven. We only did three of them. And so today, we're going to try to get through all, all the, the remaining four. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to ensure uh, another trip back, Doug. Hey. so. Are we ready to dive right into it? I, we, I, we don't have near enough time if we started uh, at the top of the hour, so we know we need to get right into yeah. it. So, um, like I said, we talked about three of them, so we're going to do a quick recap. Now, the purpose of these letters, we've kind of highlighted some of that last time, uh, uh, call the overcoming. We talked about the structure of every letter and reminded uh, how they reminded uh, with some description of Jesus in there. Can you talk a little bit more about that, Derek, before we get into it? Yeah, so the outline of every letter to the church um, occurs in this fashion. Jesus is giving a description of himself that is then important or applies to the message that he's given to the church. And then he begins to disclose something that's good, something that the church is doing bad, and then gives a warning. And typically that warning is hear what I'm saying, and stay faithful. That it's only through patient endurance, which is what Jesus did as he lived and went to the cross, that you can make it. Right. And that order is seen repeated over and over again to every single church. Doug, we talked about Ephesus last time. Yes. You weren't here for it. You were in Israel. Right. There's Pastor John Hargrove here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, as far as I'm concerned, one of the Best, one of the best Bible teachers I know, I would say, Doug. Come on now. I get accused of throwing you under the bus. (laughs) Sometimes you get accused of being a bump on the log if, Uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. All the different hate that we receive. Yeah. Um, But I think you're one of the best Bible teachers that I know. Well, I appreciate that, Vince. Um, You're too kind. We talked about the churches in out of order last time when you weren't here. So we talked about Ephesus, Laodicea and Smyrna. Mm-hmm. Are there any of those three that 
because we want to do a quick recap on those three. Is there anything out of those three that that maybe you would want to highlight that stands out to you? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that are there that you know we could highlight and talk about. I I think that the I want to go back to what uh, Derek was talking about a while ago because. Um, you know, that's not just uh, an overall theme for seven churches that existed at the time of John, but it was a theme that Jesus talked about over and over in the Bible. He talked about patience and endurance in Matthew 24. He talks, gives it to John in Revelation 13 when it talks about tribulation and things like that. So this is something that's relevant to all of us, and, and we all have things in our life, not just a church, but individuals as the church, as the bride of Christ. We all have things that we need to be working on and doing better. And so I, I believe that these uh, messages are, are relevant, not just for the fact that they're in the book of Re- uh, Revelation and that we're a prophecy program, but that we can apply these things directly to our own lives because mm-hmm. all of us are dealing with things and God's working on every individual. Until Jesus comes back, we're going to have things that we've got to get right and be prepared for when he comes back. So, I mean, that's really all that I... Would would kind of point out right now until we really get busted down through here. So, Derek, I any think specifics in there that you think um, apply to the church today, or yes, something so, else you want to highlight? So universally, that call to patient endurance, implicit within that call, is there's no coasting when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. There's there's no space or wiggle room for laziness. As Jesus says to Sardis, your works need to be complete. Right. Which means that when you place your faith in Jesus and you are born again and placed into his body, there is obedience and works. I know mm-hmm. that's a very hot topic, but faith without works is dead. Yeah. And this has actually been um, an encouragement and a reminder that God has given his people even back into the wilderness. Right. So the name of God was called over the children of Israel after the Exodus, and there was the expectation to be obedient and to live faithfully. And when that didn't happen, you saw judgment over and over again in the form of plagues. God opened up the earth and swallowed a portion yeah. of Korah and his crew and so on and so on. The same is true for us today, and we even see that message spoken very loudly in the book of Hebrews. There is an expectation upon us as Christians mm-hmm. to be intentional, to be obedient, and to not walk through this life lazily. Right. So the call to patience means get to work. Right. So if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. There's not really a middle ground? I don't think there really is. You're either Jesus is either Lord or lunatic. You're yeah. all in or you're not. It's real or it's a sham. Right. There's no middle ground with this. So maybe we've created that middle ground in our language for the people that maybe just attend church, but they're not really disciples. And we like, well, you know, they're, they're coming along type thing, but they're mm-hmm. not really there. Is that, what, is that what you're saying? Like, Yep. Um, the Western world, we, we've created this middle ground for our soft Christians. <laughs> I would suggest so because at the heart of most gospel presentations is, are you accepting Jesus as Savior? Mm. When at the heart of Acts 2, the moment that pricked the heart of the listeners was when Peter said that God had made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. Yeah. It was at that moment the hearts were pricked yeah. because Jesus is either Lord or he's nothing. You can't have the Savior without the Lord. Right. It just it cannot happen. And I would also suggest 
that we've made ourselves so comfortable in America. And because we're so comfortable, we're so affluent here. And again, I'm speaking for America, for Americans, that we're so comfortable that we've lost our need of him. Yeah. And when we lose our need of him, we're going to slip into laziness. Yeah. It sounds like we might have a letter to us if hey, John I think is still so. around now. So I want to talk more about that lordship thing you were discussing there. Uh, on the other side of the break, so don't go anywhere. We've got a lot to discuss, and we haven't even started on the churches yet, specifically. <laughs> but we're going to get through them. We'll be right back after this break. A voice, a voice spoke, to spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. Show you. I was so I was sure God sure to, to me. Talk to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now available for pre-order at endtime.com slash ABC. Go to endtime.com slash ABC or call 800-END-TIME. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. Special guest, Derek Weeks. We're so happy to have him with us. We are cracking the code on the message to the seven churches of Revelation today. Before we get back into that, I want to remind you that the the pre-order special for Understanding the End Time has been extended because of production time being delayed. That's coming to us here any day now. However, you can still take advantage of the $350 or more in bonus items that are available. If you go to endtime.com slash ABC, you can see all the options there for pre-order and understanding the end time. Or you can give us a call at 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. One of the VIP, uh, or rather one of the bonus items is the VIP video call that you get to have with Dave Robbins where you'll be able to speak to him as if you're on a FaceTime call. There'll be a group of people but that's one of the bonus items, and he's going to tell you a little bit more about the production of Understanding the End Time. You'll be able to ask him specific questions, and that's going to be a great time there. But there's a whole lot more as well. Endtime.com slash ABC. All right, guys. 
We're cracking the code. Finally, after thousands of years, we're cracking the code <laughs> once and for all, the seven churches. We started on a recap. We got off on all these different subjects. We didn't even get to one church, but we're, we're committed to, to it, okay? Right? Right. right? right. We'll do the best we can. <laughs> we, Derek, you brought up lordship right before the break. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to highlight that because as you, as you established that the American church and lordship, that's not really something that computes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our society today, lordship is not a normal term. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard of landlord. Most of us have heard of landlord as in a, you know, you live in an apartment or you rent a home or something like that. You have a landlord. Aside from that, the word lord, I don't know that we're using it in our everyday life. So what's this lordship stuff and how is it? how can we put it into terms where people today can get it? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> um, so first, I, I think... To answer that question appropriately, we've got to figure out first why there's such a push against it. Well, I, I think that part of that might be slavery, uh, the, the topic of slavery and, and people being lords over slaves, mm-hmm. yep. uh, people being masters over slaves. Mm-hmm. And I would add the revolution. Built within America's DNA is the idea of separating yourself from any tyrannical government. So slavery plays a part of that, but I would go back even further to the revolution that we were tired, we, the people who came over, were tired of the lack of freedoms, the lack of the ability to decide for yourself where you could worship, where you would not worship, what you want to do with your life. You know, because there are really two extremes in Europe at that time. You were either royal or a pauper, mm-hmm. nothing much in between. So you had all of these low, very low income poor people aspiring towards freedoms that weren't inherently theirs under that old um, monarchy. And so they fled, they came over, they left, and that philosophy, that ideology is still baked within the DNA of Americans. And so we want to push away with, we want to push against the idea of anyone or anything controlling us and telling us what to do. Isn't that human yeah. nature? That is human nature, yeah. yes. Doug, Absolutely. I know. Like mm-hmm. we, we talk like if people try to be that way, we kind of have something boil up in us. Mm-hmm. So I know that can... Tra- you know, it seems like men in, in church culture in general, men in, in their relationship with God, it seems like as a man that's something that we could struggle with is yeah. surrendering to mm-hmm. not only someone else but someone we can't see and someone you got to kind of tap into on a Mm -hmm. spiritual and emotional level to surrender to this being that you can't see Mm -hmm. so as a man it's like we're not really now that we have the the sin problem we're not really wired that way so worship is rough you know just being a bible teacher here at end time and talking to so many different people from so many different denominations and backgrounds uh, you know, we, we don't tend to, uh, in this culture that we're living in, we don't tend to even understand worship is surrendering to God. When we lift our hands up to God, some people are not comfortable with that. I've got family that, you know, are not comfortable with that. They've been to our church. We worship God. We raise our hands. We lift our voice. Some people get excited and jump up and down and things. And uh, it, it makes people uncomfortable because we've lived in a society to where, you know, people see that as, you know, you're kind of off if you're doing things like that. But yet, 
you know, we go to secular things and concerts and things like that, and they'll be hooping and hollering and lifting their hands up to the band that's playing up on a stage. But when it comes to surrendering to God and giving all that to God, it's it's a different thing for some reason when it comes to our religious behavior and how we're supposed to worship God and, and let Him be Lord of our mm-hmm. lives. But the whole thing about raising hands is to surrender. You know, sure. when I was a police officer, that was the thing. You, you know, put your hands up, and that was what you did. I surrendered. Mm-hmm. Or else. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing for sure, I think. Mm-hmm. Derek, is that because of academia? Is that because people become so smart? They can't. So there's a joke. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Something well, behind is that people joke. people so smart that they're not willing to come in and be vulnerable Right. In that way, is that? <laughs> I think it goes back to what you said. It is built into humanity to not submit. Yeah. I mean, Adam and Eve, it took two pages before they <laughs> messed up the whole project. Right. Um, and ever since then, that has been the besetting sin is will we trust God or will we trust ourselves? And when you trust yourselves, the only result is chaos and evil. Right. But I would like to add some encouragement. When you do make a decision to submit to Jesus as Lord and claim him to be, God takes that step of faith knowing that not every area of your life is going to submit. Yeah. It's going to take time. And through that relationship, God will begin to knock down those various towers that are against him. But it requires pursuit. It does. Yeah. It requires that relationship. You have to be seeking Him. Mm-hmm. And yep. if you coast, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. you're not really seeking Him at that point. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and so I bring that up because some people will not make the step of faith because they know they can't fully submit everything. Yeah. Right. And that's, I believe, not the thing that God is really looking for at the beginning. He's just looking for that faith. Yeah that's placed in him that says he is Lord. And now with that happening, God says, okay, I can work in that person. My spirit's going to reside in them. And they're going to give me willingly that power to knock down the things that are rebellious. And that is going to be a lifetime affair and it will not be completed until the day that Jesus returns. Yeah, amen. And he's going to have his great reset then. And we're going to get to be (laughs) part of it. Yes, he is, absolutely. We're not looking at Klaus Schwab's great reset or Joe Biden's great reset. We're looking for... His great reset. And if you want to be part of that, you need to go to endtime.com slash reborn and make sure you've been transformed like the disciples in the book of Acts were transformed. Go to endtime.com slash reborn. Make sure you're going to be part of that great reset that's coming. All right, guys. Uh, book of, or rather the, the church of Ephesus. It's the church that had forsaken its first love. We already covered it in the previous episode. And that was back in, I think it was May 24th that you were with us before, Derek. Um, is there anything we want to highlight on that one as we just do a quick review? The church that had forsaken its first love. I think for me is to remind people that the one thing that prompts Jesus to take away the lampstand is because people have stopped loving. And by that I mean allowing love to be the thing that pushes them in everything they do. So remember, Jesus says repent and go back to the first works. So he's not talking about love in the emotional sense, but love being a decision to better the people that you're ministering to, your spouse, family, kids, classmates, coworkers. That is the one thing that will prompt Jesus to take away his lampstand. So it's pivotal, it's paramount that we don't coast, we don't just check the boxes, but we are intentionally and with purpose loving others.
Yeah. And one of the things about that lampstand that comes out to me, that lampstick, it talks about, if we look at, when you look at Mystery Babylon, that's another way that we know that that is a, a church that is no longer seeking God. It's a false church. And the way that we know that is because in Revelation 18, it says that her, the light will no longer shine from her candle, nor the voice of the bridegroom be heard in her or the voice of the bride. And so that's another way that we can say we understand that this is not the United States of America, Mystery of Babylon. This is a fallen religious system mm. because they begin to chase after other gods and the light of their candlestick no more shines in there. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a representation there, too, to help us understand that. These are churches that God's talking to. And, um, you know, to say that the, the light's not going to shine in you anymore. God has done that mm-hmm. in Revelation 18. He's taken that light away from that entity, that church. And so just to, to kind of see that that is something that's going to happen in the end time. And this is very serious. Even though John wrote this to those churches, it's a serious matter. And God does it in Revelation 18. Mm. You know, one portion in there, and it's, I think it's in every portion, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's one thing that I pray for myself. That's one thing I pray for my family and our church as we gather. And I'm praying about this, the, the gathering that we're having. We're going to worship. Uh, you know, God, open our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Yeah. Open my ears. Help me to see what you're trying mm-hmm. to do. Help me to, to see what you're trying to do in my life and to be self-honest enough to take what you're saying and to apply it to me and not go... That was for Doug. That was for Derek. No, it's for me. There's there's something here that I have to adjust. And so I have ears to hear, and I need to listen to what the Spirit is saying. And that's a timeless message that just sticks out to me as we go through it. The next one that we highlighted was Laodicea. We skipped all the way to Revelation 3.14, the seventh church. It's the church with the lukewarm faith. Um, What are we highlighting out of there as we move quickly through these three that we covered previously on May 24th? Anything? Well, I mean, I, I love when I, when I watched that program and listened to it. I loved uh, when y'all described being hot or cold and what that actually means. And uh, you know, I mean, that is one of those things that is it's interesting because of what was happening in history at that time. But it's also interesting to understand that uh, it, I think that kind of goes back to what Derek was saying earlier. Either Jesus is Lord of our life, or or He's not. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what that's saying. The Lord didn't like that so much that it said he spewed them out of his mouth. It, he would. And that's like, you know, when you really look at what that word is, that's like projectile vomiting. <laughs> that's not just I'm spitting something out of my mouth that doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. You're spewing it out of your mouth. And so we've got to be very careful and we need to be on fire for God. We need to be just burning up for God and always seeking after what he wants us to do in our life and then helping other people to get there. You know, I mean, that's part of being a Christian is to help other people to, to get there too, to be on fire for God and to, to be hot. So anyway, I, I love the way that Derek brought the history into what was going on in that region in that lesson. That was real, real good. It was, I learned something that day. I did not know that. So <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> How about Smyrna, Derek? The church that would suffer persecution. Yeah, and we the church. back to the second church. Yep, and the mm-hmm. church that didn't have anything wrong with it. Uh, Jesus only commended Son, oh, go ahead, Smyrna. Sorry. Go ahead. What were we going to say? No, it's good. Okay. <laughs> Church that Jesus for a break, maybe. commended. Um, I think the reminder of suffering that will lead to death is offset by the promise that Jesus, the one who died and who came back, that he is the one who 
blew a hole at the end of the door of death. And now anyone who follows him in there, Jesus is going to bring back. Yeah. So, again, there's fear for those who are persecuting. There's even fear for those who will pass away before the day Jesus comes back. If, for whatever reason, he does not, right. we're all going to pass away. And people carry that fear. But we have this hope right. that just as Jesus walked into death and came out, he provided exits of death for every single one of us. So no matter how we go into death, he's faithful to bring us out on that day. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Well, now we're going to get through the final four churches uh, there, Revelation 2 and 3. You're really optimistic. Well, we're going to try. Uh, we're going to do our best. Um, so I want to remind you, we, we are going to talk about some things, and like we have so far, we're going to be straight up. We're going to try to be self-honest about it. There's probably going to be some things that we say that might step on your toes. You might get a little mad at us today um, because we're just going to say the truth as best as we know how. But we think people need to hear the truth. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that's okay. We're going to do our best to tell you the truth anyway. And we think the world needs to hear the truth, so we need your help getting the word out. Stop what you're doing. Hit the share option. We need you to share this video. We need you to love this video. Don't just give us a blue thumbs up. Give us that red heart. Doug loves to see those red hearts. So heart the video, share it, and comment. Which is your favorite of the seven churches to read and study about and how it's impacted your life? Which of the seven churches do you want to highlight? Comment that in the comment section. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to heart. All right. Pergamos, Revelation 2. I don't even have time, I think, to read through this, but I'm going to start reading, and you all stop me at any moment. If you want to explain what the Greek word is, if you want to get into any of that, Greek let's talk about it. scholars we are. Uh, yeah. Revelation 2, starting in verse 12. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Pergamos. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. That's God. Mm-hmm. Quote, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. Yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me, even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. Can we stop and just say, the city where Satan has his throne? What in the world does that mean? <laughs> because that sounds like there's a city where Satan is dwelling, and surely we can tie it to something happening today. <laughs> is he still there? I would say he is anywhere that he is animating any person, any nation, any corporation. Um, well, you're not saying Satan's omnipresent, are you? No, but Paul and other passages talks about the powers, various spirits, spirits who are the animating forces behind various people, people groups, or corporations. And I think what John is getting at here is this is an area that is controlled by the powers. And also here in um, Pergamos, sorry, uh, was one of the biggest seats of the Roman Empire. It's where the governor stated. So their authority and their control was there. All right. We'll have to get back to that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. 
This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME. Or go to endtime.com. Welcome back to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell and special guest Derek Weeks. We're talking about cracking the code, the seven churches of Revelation. There's many messages that we are going to uncover. Like I said before, it might make you uncomfortable. It might offend you a little bit if you don't want to hear the truth. We're going to do our best to tell you the truth. And um, sometimes that might mean saying things that go against the cultural norms. And, you know, we're okay with that if it's lining up with Scripture. So that's what we're committed to doing. That's what we're doing today. Uh, don't forget to go to endtime.com slash clear to pre-order the Get Clear Prophecy DVD bundle. You're going to get three DVDs that Dave, Doug, and I have done. And um, it's finally available for pre-order. You'll be the first to get the DVD if you go there today, endtime.com slash clear, or call 800-END-TIME. It's absolutely free with any donation. Some people have given $50. Some people have given $500. It doesn't matter. Whatever the Lord leads you to give, that's what we want you to do. We think this message is important. The three messages in these lessons are important for you to know so you can have it for a donation of any amount, endtime.com slash clear. All right, guys, we left off in Pergamos talking about Satan and his throne, the city where Satan has his throne. Derek, were you finished with that? Doug, do you have any feedback? Where do we go from here? I, I agree with what Derek was saying there because I, I feel like some of the things that are listed there, like uh, you know, eating things that are sacrificed to idols, committing fornication, all those things, anywhere where that spirit is, is the seat, of Satan. I mean, we could say it's right here in, you know, Hollywood and places like that where, uh, you know, I know that right now there's a lot of stories in the news about things that are going on in the world and a lot of it involves America and some of the things that are going on here and some of the, uh, you know, the talk about where some of that comes from. But that anywhere that that's happening in the world, because it's happening everywhere, right now we're focused on what's going on in this country because it seems like we're kind of going into the sewer here, but um, anywhere where Satan is controlling the thoughts and the minds of the people through whatever means he's doing that, I believe that's the seat of Satan. In this particular place, he was causing people to do these things that go against God, and that's exactly what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we talk about the abortion rate that's going on here, the you know the uh, legalization of homosexual marriage and all the things that we're allowing to happen in this country— I think Satan has a seat here right now. And, you know, the only way that we can change that is through what Jesus is telling the church to do. 
and I like particularly, it's easy to highlight that city where Satan has his throne and not finish the sentence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet you have remained loyal to me. Mm-hmm. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. So it's like no matter what's going on around you, you can still be loyal to me. So I can't blame my upbringing. Mm -hmm. I can't blame how I was raised or what I was exposed to as a child or even as an adult. Uh, I can't blame my spouse. Mm -hmm. Like I can be loyal to him no matter what. Even if I'm in the city where Satan has his throne, Mm -hmm. I can be loyal to him in spite of all that. And this is where John ultimately goes that then some of you, because of that persecution, have allowed yourself to be assumed within the culture that's heading towards an evil direction. So the text then prompts a question, how do Christians live in a culture that's antithetical to God and His gospel? What do you do? How do you live? And uh, as we know, Paul addresses some of those concerns in 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, as well as Romans 14, mm-hmm. on some of the do's and don'ts, uh, do's and don'ts whenever you're living in a culture that is against God. Yeah. What are some of those? What, what can we, how can we apply that today? How can we apply it today? I think that one of the do's is that you should still get involved somewhere in the culture, whether it's your neighborhood whether it's um, PTA, if you're a parent, or in the school, because first and foremost, we are commanded to be witnesses that go out. We don't just hide away. We don't just run away. We're still very much on the move and marching forward. You're given the spirit to be a witness. So go out, but then don't become complicit or don't partake in various evil practices. You don't want to be... I'm not going to use those examples. Say it, Derek. (laughs) You don't want to go off to some random club where anything and everything can go. It's just one example. You don't don't partake in that. You don't partake in any corporations that are purposefully exploiting people. Yeah. You don't partake in any organization that is taking advantage of people. Those are things that we do not do. Those are contrary and antithetical to God and His gospel. But that doesn't mean then that we shy away, like I said earlier. Right. So, but also, as times change and cultures change, we then have to ask the question again, what does it look like to be a faithful servant today? Yeah. Just because you did the work a year ago doesn't mean that you're necessarily on the right trajectory today. Right. It's a question you have to ask yourself every day. What does it look like as a child of God, as a disciple, to live faithfully yeah. in a nation, in a corporation, in whatever that is contrary or running contrary to God. So you have to consistently and continuously ask yourself that question because if you don't, you're either going to shy away and run away or you're going to get swept up in the culture's current. And, you know, I think we have perfect examples with Noah and with Lot. Um, You know, those, those two situations that were going on, I mean, the Bible talks about the days will be like the days of Noah and Lot before Jesus returns. And that's why I kind of bring this up because Noah was a man who, uh, you know, was living in a culture like that. God was looking at this wicked culture he was in and Noah's trying to save people through this. He's trying to help people understand, look, rain's coming. No, you guys don't understand what this is all about. That's why I'm building this big ark. And unless you get on this thing, you're going to perish and you're going to die because you're living this way. Mm-hmm. Lot could have easily open the door and let the people inside and, and kept favor with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah but he 
closed the door and didn't allow that to happen. And, uh, you know, God saved him through it and would have saved everybody. But because his wife longed for that culture and wanted to, to go back, she was turned to a pillar of salt. And so I think that that kind of applies to, to those men showing us a way that you do this in a culture. You can still live for God, even if you're the person in the minority and, and the person that's being made fun of and, and being laughed at. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay because through that persecution and, and that type of tribulation, God is going to bless you and, and save you through it. Mm-hmm. God goes on to say, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. So there is so much to say. Yeah, you can preach a sermon off of verses, (laughs) But for me, in verse 14, we're given a very stark warning. Um, be careful. Sorry, <laughs> we got co- we got workers coming in and helping <laughs> us here. <laughs> I'm new, so please forgive me. Um, verse 14 is a reminder for us to be very careful with who you allow to come into your life mm-hmm. and within the church. So, if you remember, when Balaam was hired by Balak to curse. The children of Israel, he could not. God was preventing it from happening. But in order to then still mess them up, he told the king, bring in some Moabite women, and they can seduce the men of Israel, and then they're going to pretty much implode because of that. So because of these Moabite women coming in, the men were having affairs. They were uh, permitting, or or they were... um, Scripture was saying fornicating, however you want to say it, having sex with other women. And as a result, these women turn the men away from God. And now here, John is saying the same thing can happen to us. If we allow certain individuals to sneak in, they can then divert our eyes off of God and onto some other thing that isn't God, and that's going to trip you up. Yeah, and we're seeing that happen, too, in this age that we're in right now. We're watching... People coming to the church that are leading people away from truth. And it's been going on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul said that it would happen, uh, you know, and then we saw the dark ages come and we saw the great falling away. And, but Paul warned that was going to happen. And here we are, you know, looking back at these scriptures that John wrote and we're able to see where this is happening now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I could sit here and, and name things we've had on the program, clips of different churches that are allowing some pretty crazy things to happen within their congregation and you know, okay, they are they are slipping away even further and further, getting further away from mm-hmm. God because they've allowed this kind of thing into the church. Right. So, Derek, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus oh, for the man. record. People okay. say I throw Doug under the bus. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. But we have known each other for uh, a long years. time. Mm-hmm. Six, 16 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if anyone were to be thrown under the bus, it might be Derek. <laughs> okay, so... 
in 13, we read and highlighted how they remained loyal to God. And then how their faithful witness and, and, mm-hmm. and refused to deny him. Yep. And then we go on to say, well, there are a few complaints against you. Mm-hmm. So is this not implying that we, we, before we said you're either go, going forward or you're going backwards. There's no middle ground. There's no you know, kind of coasting in, in Christianity, true Christianity. But this kind of sounds like that. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right, and that is something that I haven't pulled from until you brought it up. Yeah, so it's appearing as if these Christians are a bit of a mixed bag, mm-hmm. that there are elements in the positive, elements in the negative. So like we said, the format of all of these letters starts off with a reminder of some aspect, a positive thing and a negative thing. So you could very well say rightly that there is this lukewarmness, there is this unintentionality happening. Well, yeah, and so I guess in spite of their loyalty, there's still some messed up stuff going on mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily yep. moving forward. So he's calling them to repentance. And yeah, to in some areas. Happening. So it's and, God's grace that's doing this. Yeah. Because yeah, every single one of us, like I said earlier, there's going to be some area that's not submitted that's right. to Jesus. That's what I was going to say. We're Like we said before, we're all a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And until Jesus comes back, we're not going to be complete. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going to have something that God needs to chisel off us as sure. he's beginning to build that sculpture of what he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. So. I've got so much work to do, Doug. <laughs> Me too. <Ooh>. Man. <laughs> God has been so good. Yeah. You know, you were talking about how sometimes we get excited and jump a little bit at the church you go to. and mm-hmm. um, You know, I, there's a song that we sang in church growing up. Look what the Lord has done. Mm-hmm. Look what the Lord has done. He's healed my body. He's changed my mind. All this stuff. He saved me just in time. I get to, I, I need to roll an organ out when we get to that one. I'm, get I'm that B3 to going. Do the huckabuck on the, mm-hmm. that song because I think about what the Lord's brought me from and I'm going, right. thank you, Jesus, but there's so much more mm-hmm. that I need help with. So help me, Jesus, at right. the same time. Well, and part of that help is him telling you it's not your job to worry about that. It's my job. What do you mean? I don't worry about the problems that I have? You think I should just coexist with my problems and not try no, to change? That it it's not incumbent upon you to worry about that. It's incumbent upon you to be faithful to what God is leading you to. Yeah. So you remain focused on Him and what He's calling you to do. You don't remain focused on all the negatives in your life and all the negatives in the world. You just remain faithful. We talk about God gravity. Seek God first gravity. the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You need to be seeking first him and his kingdom, his righteousness, and then you can say, I'm resting assured in him about everything. I trust in God above everything else. We've got three more churches to go and a few minutes to do it in, so we're going to have to move quickly. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. 
It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Welcome back to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell and special guest Derek Weeks. We're talking about the seven churches in Revelation, trying to crack the code here. We've covered four churches already. We're wrapping up the fourth. We think we'll get to the rest before the end of the show today. Uh, don't forget to share this video and love it. Give us the heart instead of the thumbs up. And then also comment. How about, how about just comment the word Jesus? Who is on Team Jesus here? Who wants Jesus to continue to speak into your life and to tell you the truth? Just like we're reading about here with the seven churches, sometimes he's, he's praising you for things that you're doing well. Sometimes he's saying, okay, you did this good, but you still need to repent for these reasons. Who wants that in their life? If you, if you want God to speak truth into you, just comment the word Jesus. Show everybody that that's, that's where your loyalty uh, stands. All right. De- uh, Derek Pergamus. You have one more point to bring out on that before we move on. Yeah, just a really neat connection that I think is encouraging. Many of the early church letters and Paul himself writes the church as walking through the wilderness and heading towards that ultimate hope, likening the church to the children of Israel when they were walking through the wilderness, heading towards that promised land. And here John says... In verse 17, that for those who repent of the things we talked about, or for those who remain faithful, you will receive this hidden manna. That is to say that God is going to feed you and nourish you in this wilderness, just like he did the children of Israel when they were walking through the wilderness. So even though we're in a culture that's antithetical to God, even though there may be people people trying to sneak in and to divert our gaze away from God, we have this promise that if we stay repentant and remain faithful, mm-hmm. then He's faithful to take care of us, nourish us, feed us, give us the grace and the strength that we need to live this life well. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Alright, we are going to move to Thyatira, which is found in Revelation 2 starting in verse 18. I'm going to do my best to skip over some of the verses uh, and highlight the ones that we need to in order to speed through this as quickly as we can. Um, starting, I'll start in verse 19. We know this is from God, this letter, uh, this word. Uh, verse 19 is a quote, I know all things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Uh, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all nations. 
They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So Thyatira is the church that had some false prophetesses. Mm -hmm. And is he talking about Jezebel? I mean, surely she's been dead for a long time by now. Mm -hmm. Is he really talking about Jezebel, or what's he talking about here? The spirit of Jezebel. Yes. I... uh, (laughs) I think what John is doing here is he's giving the same warning to Thyatira as he did to Pergamus. Here you are, you've diverted your gaze off of God, and now you've gone to um, idle eating and fornication. Except this time it's not people sneaking in like it was right. with Balaam and Balak. Here it is, you have somebody on the inside who this is, is church, folk. church folk who are intentionally tripping you up. Diverting you, diverting your gaze off of God, off of His truth, off of His word, and onto something else. And then here, um, John then gets gets to gets to using symbolic language of throwing her on a bed. Everyone who messes around with her, I'm going to utterly cast off. It's yeah. a big warning. Don't fall for her tricks. Don't fall for these false right. doctrines and. If you repent and if you stay faithful, here's the amazing thing. Not only will Jesus share his rule and reign so that on that day you're ruling and reigning with him, but he's going to give you the morning star. And Jesus says in Revelation 22 that he is the morning star. So what he's saying is, I'm giving you myself. Right. I'm bringing you into a deeper relationship. And the result of that relationship is now you're going to shine as bright as I did. You're going to be that light that goes into a dark world. Yeah. Witnessing to me and to everything that I stand for. Yeah. And, and once again, I think we see a correlation to uh, Mystery Babylon that the Bible calls her the great whore and that she has many daughters. And so we, we're looking at that's what this Jezebel spirit is. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a whoredom that she's leading people astray. And like Derek said, purposely leading people astray. I think that's what we're seeing in Revelation 17 and 18 as well. We're seeing this a false church pull people and lead them astray but God gives them the same promise in 18:4 Revelation 18:4 he says but come out of her my people or else you'll partake of her sins and suffer the wrath and so he calls his people out there too telling them this is like a last warning you know come out of this false religious system and this this whoredom of chasing after other gods mm-hmm. and so i see it, that correlation as as he's reading that as well and God still provides hope, even though this is a rebellious church being led by rebellious people. Mm-hmm. One day we'll have to talk about the spirit, the, the spirit of Jezebel. Okay. It won't be today. We don't have time. Mm-hmm. We're barely going to get through these churches. But I've got some things to say about that. <laughs> okay. That we don't have time for. All right. Uh, Revelation 3, Sardis, the church that had fallen asleep, um, he says, I know all the things that you do. And you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Mm. I can't help but pause mm. there. I know. That's hard. People think that you're alive. Mm-hmm. You're fooling everyone yeah. to, to think that you are alive, mm-hmm. but you are dead. Yeah. I think about churches that I believe or that, I, that, that many believe are alive. Mm-hmm. I think about these mega churches where there are thousands and thousands of people that are members. And people think, man, that's a happening church. I got to get in there, but there, there's no spirit there leading that church. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just saying. No, bring it on. That's great. I'm wondering if you're going to name names. No, I wasn't going to. Okay. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> well, you know, we know people like this. We know churches like this that appear to be alive, but God is saying you are dead. Of course, Sardis mm-hmm. uh, specifically here. He's saying wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you have heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. But I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear, again, must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Mm -hmm. So the Christians at Sardis knew exactly what John was drawing from. 600 years prior, during the time of Cyrus the Persian, Sardis rested on top of this very steep hill. And the city thought that they were impregnable to the point where they became so boastful that they kind of got lazy. Mm -hmm. They thought they were safe. They fell asleep. And then 600 years prior to this writing, the Persians sneakily and stealthily invade the city and overrun it unbelievably quick. Mm. And here, John is telling the church, this is what you're doing. You've fallen asleep, and now the enemy is climbing up that steep hill. Yeah, And it's going to overrun you. It's going to attack you and you're going to perish as a result. So wake up. And if you don't, I'm going to blot your name out of the book. Mm -hmm. It was a Greek practice at the time to write the names of all the citizens within a big book. And if a citizen was condemned to death, the city would blot the name out so as not to tarnish the name of the city. Mm. And here God is saying again, if you're not intentional, if you're not awake, judgment's coming. Yeah. So well, how, how should we respond? Well, one of the things I think back to is what Paul said in, uh, I think it's First Thessalonians chapter 5, where he's talking about the timing of Christ's return and the resurrection. And, and he says that, you know, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Jesus says, if, if you don't watch, I'll mm-hmm. come as a thief. He's telling this church. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing Paul says. But he says, but if you're... Uh, of Christ that you're not children of the night so that day will not take you as a a thief. You'll know because you'll know these signs. And he also mentions your clothes there. He talks about keeping your garments and and things. When Jesus brings it up in Revelation 16, 15 he says, Behold I come as a thief and blessed is he who keeps his garments with him so that he goes not shamefully exposed. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is kind of given that same warning there in Revelation 16. Like I said, Right before we get to 17 and 18, it's like he's he's living this out. It's like being portrayed out to people as things are beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. Because by Revelation 16, we're already into uh, the vials being poured out. And so right even there, Jesus is saying, Blessed is he who had, keeps watching, mm-hmm. like this scripture talks about, and keeps his clothes with him so that he's not shamefully exposed. Mm-hmm. So you ask, how do we respond? Jesus says, Remember. Remember what you received. Remember what you heard. And part of what you heard is the judgment that comes for those who don't stay awake. All right. So wake up. Wake up.
Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. Make sure you're awake. <laughs> Make you sure might you're think awake. You're alive. Make yep. sure you're born again because you want your name in the book so that mm-hmm. it's not blotted out to yep. begin with, but you've got to make sure that you're living yeah. right. Endtime.com slash reborn. Yeah. There and you go. part of the way that I would encourage you to ensure that you stay awake is you're faithful in surrounding yourself by faithful men and women, mm-hmm. that you're regularly attending services where people can keep you accountable. Yeah. All right. We have like 120 seconds to cover Philadelphia, which is found in Revelation 3, starting in verse 7. It's the church that had endured patiently. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read everything. Are there any verses here that you guys want to highlight? Anything about the church of Philadelphia uh, that you want to highlight specifically uh, in order for us to cover it as quickly as possible? I think one thing to remember is we've been given that key. The door is open. And we have full access to move forward with the strength he's given us to take the gospel into any and every area. He talks about the door, the door that's going to be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he section. opens the door that no one can shut, and he shuts the door that none, no one else can open. So the doors that he opens, yeah. you've got the authority to move through it and spread the go- and witness to the kingdom and the gospel. And this goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, if the Lord opened that door, no man can shut mm-hmm. it. Your, your, your upbringing can't shut it. Right, yep. Your mom and dad can't shut it. Yeah. On and on mm-hmm. and on. Yeah. Yep. He also promises that we'll be pillars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think of a pillar, that's a, a pillar is strength. It's what's mm-hmm. holding something Got up. one in the studio holding yeah, the we, ceiling we up. Yeah, we do. And it's holding the ceiling <laughs> up. And, and he, he calls us that. He says, if we endure, if we do this, we will become mm-hmm. pillars. Right. Uh, so we'll be strong and we'll do those exploits that he's talking mm-hmm. about in the end time. We'll yep. be able to be strong and help others be strong as well. Right. Like what Derek was talking about, lifting others up, helping mm-hmm. others to become strong as well. Yeah. And something that's fascinating is Laodicea regularly endured earthquakes. Mm. So here you are. You can be in the most unsettling place, dangerous place, something that shakes foundations and destroys things, but yet you can be a pillar that's unmoved yeah. as you're remaining patient and enduring. Derek, if you had 15 seconds left, what would you leave everyone with about the seven churches? Please read and reread these letters and apply them to your life. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for the End Time Show. It's been a pleasure to have Derek with us, of course. Uh, Doug and I always love chatting with Derek. We've had some conversation off camera before, and we'll have to continue that about praise being a weapon or not. (laughs) But maybe that's another show for another day. We'll be right back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central. Don't forget to go to endtime.com and watch.endtime.com to participate in thousands of hours of content that's available totally free because of our faithful partners that have joined with us at endtime.com. We'll see you here tomorrow.